Welcome to another episode of Inspire for Five, where we get to speak to amazing people from around the globe, inspirational people, people that are doing remarkable things. Today, we're speaking to one such person, Tony Lotsov, who is the CEO and co-founder of Cycle Leash. Uh, and I'm actually not even going to try and attempt to let you into what that is. I'm going to let Tony do that because it's a remarkable story to tell. And we're discussing the five life events that actually led to um, the production, to the product that is now Cycle Leash. So, Tony, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. I love your name and I love the way that you introduced it. Can you just share that with our audience as well? So it's Tony and lots of love is the way you pronounce it. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Um, so five amazing and pretty big events that led to... Uh, where the product that you have now is, and I'm not even going to let people know what that product is. Let's let that evolve um, as the story goes, because it is very topical at the moment. Um, but your first, your first big life event was actually moving countries. So how did so that go? So um, I moved out from Southern Africa to Australia in 1999. Uh, my wife's sister was in a very bad hijacking and um, they shot the boyfriend and we decided, okay, it's time to leave. And um, Australia opened their arms. I, I come from an engineering background with Apple computers and I used to do technical support for a company that supported Apple in Southern Africa, in Johannesburg. And I came out here and was immediately offered work at a number of Apple resellers here. And, and my journey in Australia started fantastically um, was a tough transition but South Africans and Australians are very similar people with similar uh, wants in life and um, we fitted in really nicely it was a, a, a lovely transition and that was my start of my journey where I worked for someone and then evolved into my own boss um, when we came up with a few different technologies um, that we produced and moved on until I got to the point of creating Zycalish. Which was the second major event. So how did it, how did it come about? How did you um, find the inspiration? Where did the idea for it come from? So I actually went for a ride with a friend of mine, a bicycle ride on a Sunday. And um, we stopped at a cafe in Black Rock and we went in for a coffee. And um, while we turned around to pay for the coffee, someone jumped on the bicycle and rode it off down the road. So a very expensive bicycle was gone in seconds. So immediately I wanted to, to prevent that from happening again to myself. So as I had some technical background, I started developing with a, my partner, Jorian Ross, uh, developing a mobile application and a little Bluetooth chip that would put on the bicycle and it would connect it to my mobile phone. And if my bicycle moved, it would set off an alarm on my phone. Wow. So at least I could get some warning to stop the guy. And when I built that for myself, all my friends saw it and they wanted one. And then all their friends saw it and they wanted one. And I thought, okay, we've probably got a business here. So um, we, we started producing and we started the company Cyclish and we brought out a bicycle tracker where we meshed every user's phone together in a big network. So that meant if my bicycle got stolen, I could set it as missing in the app. And if it rode past someone else using the app, it would send a GPS location of where my bicycle was spotted. 
Amazing, especially where we're going to lead this conversation for point four, but let's go to point three. So you realized that you had a great idea um, and you moved it basically from a consumer uh, a consumer usage to a commercial, you made the commercial move and you called it, you changed the name to Leash View. Now I totally understand where Cycle um, came Leash. from. How did Leash View, how did you come to that name and, and how did you move into that commercialization period? So as we were moving along, uh, we started bringing out more versions of cycle leash, like pet leash and luggage leash and tradie leash. And we had all these different verticals converging into one big network that we called the community of things. And everyone's phones worked together. At that point, someone at Mercedes-Benz came to us and said, well, they've got a major issue inside their dealerships where keys for the vehicles were disappearing and at a thousand dollars a key they wanted to find a way to track the keys and the books inside the dealership and how could we help them accomplish that so we started moving away from mobile phones and we started implementing a little bluetooth gateway that would put around the dealership and a little Bluetooth tag on the keys. And every 10 seconds, as those keys moved around the dealership, its location was updated on a floor plan. So we could view the leashes, is where the leash view came from. I need that at my house for a multiple, <laughs> multiple number of things. Um, amazing. So, so Mercedes actually uh, were one of your first major clients. Am I hearing that correctly? That's correct. So uh, Mercedes Brighton came to us and we started our point of concept, a proof of concept at their dealership, which went successfully well. Um, they never lost another set of keys and uh, so, so far, touch wood. Um, and now they started tracking a lot more things in the dealership, like the books and actually where the vehicles are parked, um, how long they're in detailing and service. So now they've They've transformed the system from being just a tracking of assets to actually having analytics around efficiencies and productivity in the dealership as well. And then we were approached by a hospital in the Middle East. They had a similar, similar problem. They had a whole lot of critical equipment that they wanted tracked. The systems that were on the market at the moment were ex excessively expensive which meant you could only track your most expensive assets. And they wanted to find a way to track everything from a drip stand to a wheelchair, right through to incubators. So we actually flew out to, to Israel and we actually started a rollout at this medical institution and it exploded from there. They loved it and they are training hospitals so they've been introducing it to a number of different companies. So before we move on to point four, um, how did they find out about you? So you're a company that's operating from Australia. Yes, we, we get that that you were probably out there um, on a digital platform. Uh, you were out there to, to be discovered. But how did Israel, how did the hospital in Israel find out about LeashView? Um, we had a few articles written about us and I was on um, a webinar with uh, Engineering Australia and someone was there who was watching it um, from overseas and we actually were quite unique at the time and we still are quite unique because um, IoT was, was 
a buzzword at the time, but no one really knew what IoT was or the Internet of Things and what it was and how it could work. And our use case in IoT actually made it understandable to a lot of companies what IoT could do for the business, how it could improve a number of aspects and mitigate a number of risks within businesses. So from that one conversation on, on Engineering Australia, or the webinar, uh, we actually got a lot of interest from all over the world. Um, a, because finally there was IoT that was affordable and it was IoT that could give an immediate return on investment on any hardware or system that you had to purchase. So it actually started to make sense. Have you had any, um, so I'm thinking what, a, what an asset it would be for some of the major shopping centre retail outlets. Um, what a remarkable uh, opportunity to gather data and information. So you might even reward somebody that walks into the centre to upload and you know, upload the the app or however it is that you know the blue the the app I'm imagining is what it is, um, and then finding out where they're spending time in the centre, how much time in a food court, how much time in a you know a bank or a, 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 um, you know an Optus or a Telstra or something some such thing. Um, have you had much engagement with um, the retail sector because that is a sector that could very much do with the analytics, the data that you're gathering, and, I, and our belief is that that data hasn't even you know, touch the sides of, of the benefits that it can give to a lot of industries. What's your experience there? So, yeah, we definitely are seeing um, interest from those verticals now because not only do they want to know from the retailer's point of view where you're shopping and for how long, but, you know, obviously since COVID, they also need to keep track of, you know, where a person might go, who they might have come into contact with and which stores they might have gone into. So there are little membership cards that we have as one of our little tags. And if a person carries us around, um, it will only track them inside the environment that the membership's for. So if it is a shopping center, it would show them uh, which stores they went into, for how long they were in the stores, um, other people they might have come across. So at, at, because our system's hardware agnostic, we can integrate a number of different form factors specific for any vertical. So even for aged care, uh, for dementia patients, so that if they try and leave the property at a strange hour, it can message the head nurse and say, someone needs to go take them back to their room. Or if they haven't gone into the kitchen for a long time, they haven't hydrated, a message can be sent out. So because our system or our community of things network, every single gateway and every single mobile phone that's connected to our system all work together. So that means if that aged care person actually got out the premises and they listed them as missing in the system, if they passed a gateway at Mercedes Brighton, it would fire a location back to the nursing home to say, your patient's been spotted over here. Wow, so there's, there's that wearable um, tech that is part of it. And so you've hit on... Uh, life event number four, COVID-19 hit, um, and what happened for your business? Well, COVID-19 hit, and, and obviously our system uh, has an amazing asset track tracking capability. So because it's tracking every 10 seconds, it can show contact tracing unbelievably well, better than any other system at the moment. So we started looking at the COVID outbreak and thinking that 
when people go back to work, they're going to want and need some protections around which staff are working and when and who they could have come into contact with. So we started evolving our leash view system and the analytics to be able to do contact tracing, first off. And then secondly, be able to set rules up so that you could limit the amount of people in a room for social distancing. You could also set uh, rules to prevent people entering specific areas, or you could set, create rules for people leaving certain areas. So now you can actually build this, this oversight in your business to keep everyone safe. So Leashview evolved into an, uh, a third system we created called Track Then Trace. And what it means is each staff member wears a lanyard or a little name tag. And every 10 seconds, their location's updated in the analytics. And at any time, if they phone into their boss and say, I can't come to work, I've, I've contracted the virus, the, the employer or the OH&S uh, staff member set to look at that data can run a report during the daytime that that person was at work and it will actually list all the people they would have come into contact with as well as the areas they worked in so that just those areas can be closed and sterilized and just those people they came into contact can be sent home to self-isolate and be tested instead of having to close the whole business down again so so that, that's quite remarkable, um, given that we're being encouraged to uh, to use the COVID app uh, for contact tracing, etc. Have you had any conversations with government or uh, anybody in that regard as to, you know, I mean, how easy would it be to use this system as opposed to the app that clearly has a few issues, um, you know, and that's not a criticism because what we're doing is we're trying to, to create things to help us along the way very quickly. Uh, but how could you integrate or, or serve the same purpose as what's happening at the moment? Well, they could run in parallel fantastically. Um, you know, we're concentrating on indoor contact tracing uh, for the business, to protect the business and make sure business, business continuity happens. The COVID Safe app is great for the individual, uh, being out and about on the streets and and going into different stores. The problem I find with the COVID Safe app is it only does contact tracing once you've been with that person for 15 minutes. And lots can happen within that 15 minutes period. You know, someone can walk up, give you a hug, walk away. You know, there's no way of, of knowing those other contacts. And, and the COVID Safe app also doesn't do any location services. So they can't say where that contact actually happened. They can only say, me and you, we came into contact. One of us is infected. You need to go for a test. But I can't say where that interaction happened. Then you're going to have to use your memory to try and get that right. Where our system indoors, it actually shows where the contact happened and for how long so that you can make a much more educated decision as to how to best counter it and to prevent the spread. And so how do you, how are you dealing with the privacy issues and the, the conversations around ethics and privacy that, that seem to be surfacing more and more, um, particularly, you know, in relation to lockdown, no lockdown, my rights are being taken away, I don't want to be traced, I want to be traced, it's my data, etc. How are you dealing with all those issues? 
So what, what we've found in the business world especially is there's a much stronger relationship between the employer and the employee than the general population and the government. So from the employee's point of view, they want to have job security. They want to know that they can go back to work and stay working. The employee, the employer, he wants business continuity. So the only way he can keep his doors open is to make sure his staff are safe. So what we've done is we've tried to, we've tried to work with both of them. So in a business, if the staff are more happy for the occupational health and safety staff member to have access to the reporting and not the employer, that's something that can be done. If the staff members are happy for the employer to have that data, it also works. But in this instance, within business, it's, up, it's in both their best interest to have that tracking happening. So the privacy is a little bit eliminated because it's in your workplace. And in most workplaces, you've been tracked already. There's cameras, there's swipe cards to get in and out of the office. You have to book meeting rooms. So there's already uh, egress systems in the workplace. So this is just adding that extra level. I guess if we think about it too, that happens in society because there's cameras on street corners, traffic cameras, you know, cameras as you go past uh, various retail organisations. But it's interesting when you make the distinction between the employer and the employee as well, because if you think about it at its base level, we actually employ somebody to be the prime minister or the premier or sit, you know, sit in Senate, etc. So really, if we looked at it in, in a similar fashion, we are, the only difference is, I guess, we get to vote for who the boss is. Uh, but it is that almost that employer-employee scenario, except we call it government and community and society. So very interesting, yeah, interesting to hear that, that, um, that conversation. Tony, it's been an absolute pleasure to hear about, um, to hear about what you're doing. Any final comments? Um, no, just I hope that everyone stays safe and I hope we can expand this out to more and more businesses so that the economy can get kick-started again. I see so many people suffering and not being able to know that they've actually got a job to go back to. I see a lot of businesses closing down because they've been closed for so long. I think we need to find positive ways to make people feel safe, A, to go out and do shopping again and open up businesses again so that they... They, they got somewhere to go. And the faster we can do that, I think it's going to help not only health, but mental health as well as, you know, helping Australia get the economy going again. Tony, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Uh, CEO and co-founder of Leash View. So thank you so much. Uh, we can't wait to share this information um, with our community. Thank you for joining us on Inspire for Five. We look forward to your company again soon uh, with our next inspirational and amazing guest. Who will that be? We're not quite sure yet, but we'll see you soon. Tony, thank you. Thanks for having me.